Welcome to What's New on the Scene. Today I'm chatting with Sydney-based band Grace. Would you like to introduce yourselves and the origin story of the band? Hi, I'm Jamila. I sing and play guitar sometimes. Someone else go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Emily. I play bass. I'm Jonathan and I play guitar. My name is Alex and I play drums. Um, and our origin story as a band is actually a pretty iconic origin story, in my opinion. So me and Jono went to uni together, um, and I pretty much forced him into the band, to be fair. Um, I asked him many times, and he said no many times, and I just kept saying yes. Um, and then now he's in the band. Um and then I was like, oh, I don't know anyone who plays bass or drums. So there's a Facebook group called Sydney Musicians Network. And I literally put like a little, a really shit ad, kind of like Craigslist, and was like, I need drummer and bassist. Please play for me. And then they were the first people that hit me up. And I just said yes. And somehow, magically, it worked. And we're all like really good friends now. But it could have ended horribly wrong but we're glad it didn't (laughs) (laughs) what genre would you say the band's music fits into if there's multiple or if it's changed as you sort of progress with releasing a few singles alex i feel like you'd be good for this one um i'd say like right now we do make indie rock um but uh, the band has been through a bit of a transition, I think, as, you know, the fact that, like, we're all relatively young musicians. And I think that uh, over the course of the band, you know, the song, we've not only learnt how to work with each other, but also finding a bit more about ourselves in terms of what it is that we like to play. Like, there's an ongoing joke that I do 16th notes in a pre-chorus and, like, everyone has their little things, you know, that we do um, in songs. But I think that, um, yeah, I'd say we make indie rock, but there are definitely elements of grunge there's a bit of punk uh there's definitely some folk or singer songwriter and that comes from jams kind of influences i think um but yeah i think that we make you know indie rock is such a broad genre but um i think that we do encapsulate it well in that there are different elements of you know like more intense music but also more popular stuff as well was there a defining moment when each of you decided that music was what you wanted to do as a career and I guess maybe being in a band, if that was what you wanted to do as well, rather than being a solo artist. I have two moments, kind of, technically. I think, like, the first time that I was like, ah, music seems like a good vibe, was I was at, like, Splendor in the Grass in, like, 2017, and I watched Vera Blue play. And I just remember watching her on stage and going, like, this would be a sick job. Um, And I was, like, 16, and I was, like... This would be great. And I'd, like, I'd always been a performer, but I wasn't, like, a musician. Like, I was, like, always, like, a dancer first, not a musician. And then I never actually, like, planned to get into music, but I got, like, really severely injured <laughs> doing, like, professional dance training where I pretty much had to, like, fall out of that line of work. Went to uni, met my first uh, – met, like, an exchange student that was doing, like, DJing and production – And I was kind of like, ah, lol, may as well. Um, And then I released stuff as a solo artist first to really answer the second part of the question. Did that, was like, yeah, this is sick. I want to keep doing this. Like, this is is all I ever want to do. Like, I want to be in this industry one way or another. Um, 
but I think releasing self solo made me realize that I wanted a band more than anything rather than being on my own. And I'm very grateful because I think I would have a mental breakdown if I had to go through it by myself. <laughs> and then enter Jono. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. I think, Alex, you also have a very convincing answer for this question. I feel like. Um, I don't know. I like, as everyone in this band is, like, we're all kind of um, have or have or had a fair bit going on outside of music. Um, I teach um, economics and statistics at the University of Sydney. That's my day job. Um, and that normally takes people by surprise because you wouldn't think that someone studying economics would kind of pursue music full time. But I think that during my last year of uni, I was sitting there wondering, like, what, what, you know, I was literally sitting my last ever exam for my honours degree. And immediately after I you know, submitted that exam, I got in an Uber and went to a gig. And it's like those kind of moments where you realize like that's that's way that's just what you want to do. You know, that's the, like those moments and like, you know, getting getting excited before every gig and get on stage. You're like, oh, I'm so excited to play. You know, like the I don't know if it's one moment in particular. I think it's the culmination of, you know, when you play heaps of gigs and then you have to get thrown into something that you're not super passionate about. Um you realize how much you really care about what it is you're doing and how it would suck if you weren't doing it as much as you can, as often as you can. So that's kind of my background. To how about you, Jono? When was your moment? I am. Um, yeah. It's, I think again, there was this complex that I had that when I, when I started first playing guitar, I'd picked it up a lot later than a lot of, like a lot of some of my friends, like I had a friend in high school, I picked it up in high school and towards the end of my degree as well, uh, towards the end of high school as well. And by that point, I was associated, like the friends that I have um, had been playing for for years, like almost a decade. And I used to watch them and I used to go, I know any of that. And then I kind of, when the passion really kicked up towards like year 12 really was when it kind of really kicked up. Um, and I just got unhealthily addicted to playing that I just, I played for not like hours nonstop until when I met Jan and there was a few like music assessments that Jan had that I helped her out with. And yeah, there's always this funny story that every time I helped her with an assessment, it was like a small little audition um, for then Jan's determination or whether she wanted to ask me to be in the band, um, which fortunately worked out well. But yeah, I always had this complex that I, I didn't think I was cut out for it at the time um but yeah I think the the point in time where I think I made the discovery that I this is something I really wanted to put time into was in the same way as Alex like I've, I've entered in the last like almost the end of my degree um and I'm studying law at Macquarie and it's something that goes like the fact that I'm so excited to have this at the end of the day and to as much as sometimes it stresses us out um, to make the time for it, it makes it so worth it when you have the opportunity to come together as a group and really focus on something that you guys all share in common and that's just the love of music. M. I feel like my answer is going to be a lot less interesting than all of your very great answers. Um, I'm going to say probably just when, like, it got to a point for me where... I was excited to start playing on stage and you kind of get past those like first nerves of being like, I'm dreading playing this gig tonight because I'm just terrified that I'm going to mess up or make all these mistakes. We're getting to a point where you're like, actually like your whole day, you're just excited to play. Like that was probably the point for me, I guess. Yeah. 
What music have each of you been listening to recently? Are there any standout bands or artists, if they're new ones, compared to ones that you listen to all the time? Jono has the funniest answer to this <laughs> because he's studying at the moment so heavily. So what are you listening to, Jono, while you study? This is so out of pocket. Um, but it's it's so I recently everyone when they've got like when they're going to study, they try to find that playlist of what works when you study and for some really odd reason something that worked for me was a mixture of video game scores like movie scores tv show scores and it's composer called yanni and um i'm not sure how many people our age actually know who yanni is and if anybody ever turned to me and went do you know the composer yanni i think i would just crack up and laugh because i wouldn't expect it from anybody else and I just sent the funniest video to the group chat, like self-acclaimed, laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it was so out of pocket. That's what I've been listening to recently. That's because we're in exam period. I'm like wildly stressed. Um, but other than that, it's been a bunch of Ocean Alley and a lot of Lazy Ghost, to be honest. I feel like I don't even know what I've been listening to. I feel like I get in quite a cycle of like, I find like a few new songs and then I listen to them like religiously on repeat and like only those like five songs and then I find new ones to replace it. It's very like ADHD coded. Um, But (laughs) like I think at the moment the most out-of-pocket thing for me, I'll keep on the out-of-pocket road that we're going down, is I've been listening to a lot of Ash Nico who is like a female rapper and it's not actually that out of pocket for me because in 2021, I think it was my most listened to song in my Spotify wrapped. And it like came up at the end of the year and I was like, on this day, you listened to this song over a hundred times. And I was like, what the fuck? And it's just this Ash Nico song called Daisy. And I recently found a new song of hers. Um, which is called Weed Killer. They're all really like aggressively like feminist rap kind of songs that's like kind of electronic um and I found it on like one of those curated like intense workout playlists when I was at the gym and that's what I've been just like listening to on my like fun little walks in the sun it's just really aggressive (laughs) rap in my headphones (laughs) yeah that's mine I've been like I just went to my Spotify because I literally can't remember anything past like 10 seconds ago I've been smashing a lot of body type I love them. They've got a new album coming out. They're so good. They're from Sydney. Everyone should listen to Body Type. And then, like, floating between that and, like, fusion jazz, because I'm in a weird fusion jazz hole at the moment. But this band called Snarky Puffy, they're really cool. And I found a song in 10-4. It was fucking lit. So good. (laughs) Send me some of that, Em. I'm so into that. I know. I need to add you to my Spotify so I can send you stuff. Please. I have the least good answer in that I've been on a cruise ship since this morning. So I've just been listening to the same music on repeat um, that I have had, wow, words, um, that I've had downloaded on my Spotify. So, um, but out of that, I was listening to this guy called Versace who does like indie pop, uh, indie R&B, just trying to inspire myself to like, um, kind of from a songwriting perspective, try and take on some of the, the hooks that he Uh, has been writing so that's what I've been listening to which bands or artists would you say influence the band sound the most 
Um, I feel like this is like a hard, it's a hard question to answer in our case because like I do a good like chunk of the songwriting work and like a lot of the time it's like, I'm like, here's like a song that's pretty much like 60% of a song, like the chords are there, the song's written, lyrics start to finish, and then we kind of like break it apart and build it back up again. Um, so it's very rare that I don't think we've, Oh, except for one song that we have in our set that we actually all sat and pretty much made from scratch um, all together. But it's usually like a very like building blocks kind of process. So it ends up very interesting because my songwriting style is, as like Alex said before, very based in like folk and singer songwriter. So a lot of it's like Phoebe Bridges, like Lucy Dacus, Holly Humberstone, like all these really incredible like kind of, yeah, female singer songwriter kind of styles that I base a lot of my lyrics off which is very like folk driven um but then everyone has such different like instrumental inspirations like Jono is very bluesy based anyone can correct me if I accidentally mistype their <laughs> genre but Jono is like very bluesy M listens to a lot of like kind of like femme punk kind of stuff which I feel like comes from her base and Alex listens to just like fucking hardcore like midwest emo stuff so we get these very like dancey very like hardcore drum like fills that you like probably wouldn't find in like folk and then these really bluesy lines but then it's to like a really traditional like indie rock folk driven kind of like lyric content so it is indie rock but it's so like it's so vague because everything is just mushed together, basically. But yeah, just a big mush of stuff, basically. What is each of your favourite albums or songs that you will always come back to, no matter what mood you're sort of in? I have an immediate answer for this. Uh, mine is, uh, it's the album is called Silent Alarm and the uh, artist is Block Party. Um, they're touring with Paramore right now. Um, I, I give this explanation just because we're in the studio with our producer, uh, our, one of our previous producers, Fletcher Matthews, um, and I was talking about this band and it kind of clicked in his head. He was like, oh, you're one of those drummers that likes block party. Oh, okay, like that says so much about you. Um, so like I think that it's like it's a timeless album for me uh, and like it's really shaped my outlook on music and um, I think that's pretty like evident in the way I play if you go and listen to that album and watch it or listen to our songs it's all pretty uh, small. I'll probably go next. Um, one thing that I'd probably always go back to and I think it's just the sentimental value of one of the major reasons why I started playing guitar at all um, is John Mayer's album Continuum and I think that's such a basic guitar like I, I sound like such a basic guitarist by saying that because I swear you speak to any guitarist and they'll probably mention some John Mayer song, some John Mayer riff. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the that was one of the songs that or one of the albums that I was first introduced to by my sister, who's five years older than me, and so at the time she was super into John Mayer when she was around my age, um, and then like kind of that kind of passing that on was kind of was kind of cool and I think that just holds a very special place in my playing and in just sentimentally so yes that album 
do you want to go jam i need more time to think of my album okay i'll take over queen don't worry um i oh this is so hard because it's sporadic of my music choices I find it really hard to listen to albums back to front, but it's only because of my short attention span. It's not anything to do with any artist ever. Um, but the one album that I do go back to often, and I have it saved back to front on my Spotify, is Spacey Jane's album, Here Comes Everybody, um, their second album. Also their first album, literally either of them would fill the spot. And it's kind of like when I run out of things to like, hyper focus on on my Spotify I'm like oh I'll just go and listen to that Spacey Jane album and that kind of like it does the job it does the job I think that was like my first proper introduction to like indie rock as like a Aussie indie rock genre so it always kind of kind of sticks out for me I think I made a decision (laughs) I'm gonna go with Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple which came out in 2020 so it's like I guess it was probably when I started playing bass but it's it's so good. It's like you kind of forget about it because all the songs are so jangly and like niche that you just need to sit with them and you can't really listen to them on repeat. But you go back to it like a few months later and then you're like, damn, this is a really good album. Just like the way she plays with instrumentation is so good. Yeah, I'm going to say that one. Okay. What would you say is the band's creative and recording processes like and is there any advice for new bands or artists wanting to refine the songwriting and producing side of their music? Um, I think, like, I touched on it a little bit before. Like, I think we always, yeah, a lot of the time it's, like, me sending really shit voice memos to the band of me, like, playing guitar and singing and me going, like, oh, here's this, like, six-minute-long song. Um, I've gotten a lot better. They're a lot shorter nowadays. But, um and then, like, we'll kind of, like, pick which ones are really, like, speaking to us as a band and then kind of build them up in, like, a rehearsal room. Um, but recently um, we started kind of, well, me and Alex, like, had a day where we sat, like, Alex has started producing on his own as well. Um, we sat down and, like, did proper demos of songs for the first time. Like, we'd always just built them in like a live performance sense so it's like we're just playing them and never really like developed them in in production before going into a studio or anything like that so I think that was a really nice like change of pace for it to instead of be like a jam in a rehearsal room between all four of us to be like a bit more methodical it was like a quite like very different approach to what we're used to but like it fit really well um and I'd probably say like songwriting wise like the one thing that I've had to learn is like the hook is the most important part always um and sometimes it's worth figuring out how to say a lot in less words because I like to use many words and I still probably will never be as concise as some people but it's good to find that that balance um and then as far as production i would say since working with alex probably try and try and figure out how to do it yourself i feel like it like taught me a lot sitting in a room kind of like half trying to produce and like give stuff and not be like the make or break of you being in a studio that you're paying hella amounts of money for with a producer that you're like oh shit i just gotta like shut up and make sure that they tell me what to do correct kind of 
giving yourself a bit of freedom to like work it out yourself so that you can communicate when you're in in a studio space who would you say has given the band the best advice about succeeding as a band and I guess in the music industry overall oh shit has anyone else got one before I start thinking I feel like this is definitely an Alex answer who has given the band I kind of have an idea I did see this question. Uh, I mean, like, Alex, unless you have something that's springing to mind immediately. But it's like us as a band, like, who gave us? Oh, yeah, no, I think yeah, that in that case, like, we had, so it was last year, I think for me, and I feel free to disagree if anybody does or find a better example, but we were we were playing our longest set ever, and it was in Bucketies. I know who this um, was. In Brookvale. And it, we hadn't played a set that long before and so it was a two-hour set and so we were like okay this is a great opportunity to kind of just get there and see what we can do and so we um, decided it would be a, a fantastic idea to add just a bunch of covers like the first hour would involve some originals and um and mostly covers and then the second hour would have most of our originals and it was after we kind of got through the first half like the first half an hour of the first hour of playing where we went oh, my God, we are butchering these covers. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was just very collectively, we all looked at each other, we're like, oh, my days, we've, yeah, I don't have to, we've butchered them, to say the least. And so we... Yeah, I'll never play Sweet Disposition yeah. again. <laughs> never play Sweet Disposition again. No yeah. offence to the song, we just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it was about, yeah, once we had gone to half the stage, we realised that, um, the lead singer of this band that we had seen recently, Stumps, um, his name's Kyle, was there. And we we noticed him because we'd only just played and we'd only just watched their show at Oxford Art Factory at the time. And we were all like, oh, like, is that is that him sort of thing? And it turned out to be him, which was kind of cool for us. It was like, oh, that was probably the one time we had someone who we had seen in a stage like Oxford Art Factory, the main stage, which we kind of, which inspired us a lot. And the fact that they had they had also worked with Fletcher, and so it was like it's kind of cool. Um, after the gig, he we approached him and we were like, "Oh, hey, like we just watched your show; it was great." And before we had even said anything, he was like, "Man, you guys should just like I know you guys had two hours to play, and I know you wanted to feel the time. I'm telling you right now, your originals are incredible in the sense that." I can't even articulate exactly how he said it, but the way he said it was very endearing in the sense that it was like, yeah, forget the covers. If they ask you to play two hours, play 45 minutes of just originals and you will play two hours worth of music and people will feel full in the yeah. sense that it's like the music, like the space so well. Yeah, Jam. He was definitely like, I remember him saying like, you got to like create your own show. Like you don't have to kind of like, do not like oh you don't have to do what's asked of you but more like it's your show like you cre like you curate it how you want people to hear it and so it's like he was like if you asked play two hours you should have said no nah, we want to do an hour that's exactly how we want it than trying to like fit it to what was like asked of us and I think that kind of hit in like not as much of like a literal sense of like, oh, we should never play two hours, but more in just like, yeah, it is our show. Like, it, like we we can kind of like be a bit more like 
like take take it kind of by the balls a bit and be like how do we want this show to sound how do we like want to fill in all these gaps and like kind of what impression do we want the audience to have and I think that kind of shaped the way we like curate our set list now to be more of like a experience rather than like oh just here's a bunch of songs because they told us we had to play for half an hour kind of thing who would you say have either been the most influential people in your life or there's been a few people recently that have allowed you to be musicians and play the music that you want to play i would just straight up say like probably the most cliche answer and i feel like a lot of us will have this but like my parents probably i feel like just having like parents who weren't like concerned that I was going into the arts they weren't like oh my god where's the stability they were like no if if this is what you love and if this is what you want you do it and give it 110 percent and we're gonna like be behind you no matter whether it like fails dramatically or not just like having having that as support knowing there wasn't gonna be any like Ah, you should have been a doctor kind of energy from them was like really important for me um and then I think on like a more recent scale I would probably like give massive thanks to like my boss shout out to Hugh and uh Casey O'Shaughnessy from Select who I've been doing like a mentoring program with at the moment I think like having both of them be able to like guide me and give me the opportunity to learn from like a music business side has been like a huge huge step for me to being a bit more involved in the music industry so yeah shout out to those people anyone else (laughs) share the thanks (laughs) i need time to think in the sense that you know i might just spit out my answer and we should get two down um yeah no i would i would easily say my parents because that is, that is the easy answer. I mean, as like music has been a huge part of my culture and I'm Armenian. And so music is one of the those defining features of the Armenian culture that's just been around for my entire life um, at primary school. I went to a bilingual primary school and doing, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more a better idea I get of who actually, um, <clears throat> like doing concerts and stuff like that and seeing like getting your parents to come in and watch you do like like perform songs in Armenian and performing um songs in English and it was it was really nice because there was there was times where I had like teachers and music teachers come up to me and go like have you considered doing something because there was a time where I didn't really feel like I was ready and then there was people coming up to me being like yeah I think you actually should invest in this and then Probably the next cliche answer would be everybody sitting in this call currently um, in terms of it's like, well, yeah, there was a big confidence boost and it was like a, it, it does. And it, people have a really good way of doing it. Like Alex is very much like the tough love um, sort of person in the band. Um, <laughs> um, and M and Jam, you guys are both well, Jam, you gave me the opportunity to even be here. And Em, you're, you've always been the person that's kind of just cared, even if I didn't. And so it was like, it was very nice to be around people who would tell you when you're doing something right, but also tell you when you're doing something wrong, in the sense that when it comes down to the music in particular. And it's always that constant challenge to 
to do better and to be a better artist, to be a better performer and to live out the passion in its best form. I have a tough love answer, which is no one. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, awesome. No, uh, obviously everyone here, but I think that to make it a bit more specific to me, um, I think that I can really appreciate all of the drummers that I've played with and watched. I think that there's been a big thing for me of constantly feeling like I'm not good enough to be on stage or to be uh, in a position where people would actually want to watch me play or listen to the music that I make or contribute to. So I think that um, usually it's drummers talking to other drummers and, you know, it's whenever someone would come up to me and say, hey, man, that was a really good set. Um, You know, even if I felt like they didn't mean it, um, thanks to all those people, because I think, you know, if I didn't have the confidence in myself now that I do because other people you know, challenge that imposter syndrome. I don't think that um, I'd play the way I do now um, and do music so seriously. So I'm thanking all of those drums. I'm going to be super cringe and say the whole band, um, but just especially any woman in music and non-binary person in music who just has the confidence to go out there and slay because it's a tough gig sometimes, especially in Sydney. Misogyny is rife. We love her. Um, so anyone who just has the tenacity to just go out and like against all the odds and just fuck it up, like that's so cool. And it makes me want to keep doing this. What have, I guess, each of you done or more recently as you have formed the band um, to make sure that you are focused on the music but then allowing for people to balance a life away from music if it's friends family you know study work but then still come back and be a band and focus when you need to get songs done or working towards you know a release uh it's a good question i don't know if a balance exists to be fair by Um, force (laughs) (laughs) I, i think like the really like blunt answer is like I don't think there is a perfect balance in things in the music industry, but not because it sucks, because uh, it's like you choose to be like being in the music industry is a, like a passion industry. So it's like no one goes into it. Well, some people do, but they usually don't succeed very well. Um, like you go into it because you love it with like your whole heart. And it's just like something that you kind of like can't help yourself doing. Like you hear everyone talk about like what made them want to get into music. And it's all just like, I couldn't help myself. Like I just enjoyed it so much. I wanted to keep going. And it's like in so many other fields of work that like isn't usually how you get into a field of work. Um, So I think there's not balance because you love it so much. So it's something that you're not really like, oh, shit, my work-life balance, like I've got to step away and this like burns me out. Like it's something that actually Alex and I had this conversation not that long ago about like it's something that you don't really classify as burnout because you're like super happy to let it just like run you into the ground. You're like, fuck oath, I I wouldn't want to do anything else anyway. Um, But I think for me, it's very hard because I'm not only playing the band, but I'm also the manager for the band. And being a manager for any band is a very 24-7, like, very encompassing job. Um, so I definitely do my best to try and, like, make sure I switch off at certain times of nights and be like, okay, 
it's it's 8 p.m like you're not maybe not tonight because past 8 p.m but most nights I try to like have a time where I'm like okay it's dinner like I put my phone down I'm not doing anything and like I try to like go to the gym as much as I can and meditate so I can like clear my head um make time to like see friends and family and stuff like that and I think it's just it's just about like making space because I know that I love it so much that I would literally do it 24 hours with no problem even if I was like crying through it um so yeah like reminding myself like oh it's okay it's okay to take a break you can chill out go do other things um yeah just like mindfulness turning off when I'm at gigs trying not to be a manager at the same time which is quite hard sometimes so yeah it's just being aware of it but I think yeah the answer is that a balance doesn't really exist in my opinion <laughs> anyone else I mean yeah <laughs> uh, I'll keep this brief yeah I mean it is like Jam kind of summed it up quite well um I guess in the the difference between I guess up up particular situations as well jam as of like working full-time i mean i'm kind of like studying full-time and then trying to add in work um when i can it is it is one of those things that it's like it's you don't make a balance you just you make time for it because like even when you like even for me like we just copped off tour and the amount of times that i was at a gig in a corner on my laptop writing an assessment to submit and then an hour later hopping up on stage to play to the amount of like the amount of people who turn to me and go how do you do it like i get that question every day and they go how do you do it and i just go no idea like you just don't know how you're doing it like you just are doing it because you want to sort of thing and now alex has said it it's like if something makes you happy um then just do it if something doesn't make you happy in this case my assessments aren't making me happy, but I got into them anyway. Um, so it's like, yeah, you you create the balance and it's it's not really something that can just sit in the middle. It is just something that you're teetering on either end, just running to the other side, trying to make sure you don't tip. And so, but then there's obviously sometimes where you do feel like you're really struggling to get to the other side, especially when you're on one end. And that's the best part about having the group is that, and the best part about the fact the four of us actually quite like we I consider us close friends. Um, <laughs> um, that we can always rely on each other to just be like, I, I'm, I'm so like down in the dumps at the moment with everything. Um, like asking for a break or it's like scheduling breaks in the sense of just be like, well, we'll, we'll do this once this time's up, we've got this time. And so it's just, yeah, it's about compromise, really compromising all aspects. So, yeah. Does the band have any interesting hobbies that you either do together or does anyone have anything interesting as an individual that they do? I'm probably going to answer this. Um, so I do I do Armenian dance, um, which is a very interesting, it's like folk dance and I've been doing it as a part of an organisation for like the last year. And then um, we had, I had a concert and M happened to be there. Or it happen. was so good. Hey. He <laughs> had a solo. It was incredible. Yeah, so that's that's something that a lot of people go interesting, interesting choice of the uh, interesting choice of hobby. But yeah, it's very cool. I enjoy it very much. I love it very much. I don't have any cool hobbies. I don't think. <laughs> I think I'm pretty like. Like, I don't have hobbies in the sense that I don't do something, like, consistently enough that I think I could call it a hobby. 
like I instead like when I <laughs> when I got COVID at the start of the year I learned to macrame um never macrame again but I macrame that one time <laughs> is it macrame macrame I don't even know how to say it um I like to bake but I just do things on like a whim like I'll just take like a I did like a once-off pole dancing class with Emily and then never went back. <laughs> like, so I just do things quite randomly. One day I'll commit to a hobby, one day. <laughs> yeah, this is very relatable content. I like went through a pole phase and then pole dancing classes got too spenny. So I I didn't even know what I went on to. I had like a book binding phase. I got real crafty and I started making notebooks and that was fun. I had a crochet phase too, but that's not really interesting. Everyone kind of has a crochet phase. I got nothing. Music is my life. I just make a lot of music. That's it. Okay. What are three albums that, I guess, maybe as a band you would leave in a time capsule for future generations to discover? All right. Okay. So before anyone answers, right, we've we've got to unanimously agree. Okay. I think that's what makes this interesting because it can't just be like, well, I get one and someone doesn't. All right. So let's... <laughs> Put some constraints. So it's gonna be so hard because you know what my pick would be just to confuse the people. Cause I feel like like you can't give them an easy. Like you can't be like, oh, here's some. Here like we go. This is gonna be some rubbish, Amanda. <laughs> this is gonna be some rubbish. I was gonna say you should put like the like the high the high five out. <laughs> you know what? Like I, so I'm not like imagine being in like twenty like. I don't even know what year it would have to be, like 2022, some, some random, like there's like spaceships on the earth now. <laughs> like, they dig there out are spaceships on the earth now, Jamila. <laughs> and they dig out the time capsule. And like the first album that they put in is like, what's a high five song? I can't even think of one. One, two, three, four, high five. Like, yeah, the yeah. theme song, just the theme song. Just the theme song. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, that's what they listened to in 2023. I think that would be great. Or Bindi Owens album. Bindi Owens was a bop. (laughs) High five is the extent. Yeah. Okay, high five. We've got to pick two others, though. (laughs) You've got to do, like, high five, and then you put in, like, Phoebe Bridges' album for some, like, scope. So Jam's picking all of these? Like. (laughs) Uh, just let Jamila at this point. It's easier. Oh, just let her run society at this point. It's fine. Sorry. It's the manager. Can we put Jono's classical doof album in there too? Yeah, okay, yeah, actually. That's pretty album. iconic. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll submit that one. I it's, agree. It's only right we're putting Glow On. Oh, true. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, like Glow On, Yanni, and High Five. That's the three albums. That's pretty peak. That's a glow one by turnstile, by the way, everyone. Uh, Alex would like you to know. <laughs> yeah, that's so out of pocket. I don't know how people are going to answer. That's <laughs> what we landed on. Does anyone have any interesting stories about meeting celebrities or famous musicians that you've played on a lineup with? We, me and Jono have a funny story, actually, pretty recently. We all, well, <laughs> We didn't actually meet them, to be fair, but we almost met Pepper from Spacey Jane, who is, like, icon, like, holy grail. I've just heard, like, the nicest things about her, and, like, I think we would all, like, 
hail Pepper if we could, you know, like that's, we love Pepper in this band, quite the icon. And we went, so obviously like I work in the music industry as like a manager for other bands. And um, sometimes you get like guest list spots to shows. And usually it's just like, you're on the guest list and you kind of just get to go in for free. And you're like, oh, sick. I'm just happy to be here. And we went to this Ocean Alley show at the Ivy and we just thought we were just like it was just just like a regular kind of show thing and they like escorted us up this elevator and next minute we're in this room with like a charcuterie board and then Pepper from Spacey Jane is just like there <laughs> and I was like whoa and the funniest thing is, is that we ate Maccas in an alleyway beforehand which I think is like the peak of like we don't know how to live where we're like important because we were like nah there's not gonna be food like we just have to eat maccas gotta eat the nuggets in the alleyway and then we got in there and there was like prosciutto and i was like what i was like i missed out on prosciutto and like these nice little like bread rolls because i had maccas in an alleyway and yeah pepper from space jam was there we walked in we were very starstruck by just the room in general and she walked past us i was like oh my god she left and then i never saw her again so that was my interesting story. She got that prosciutto and left. She was like, yeah. this is all so, And Tam was only there for the yeah. prosciutto she didn't know about. Like, yeah. that, that, would have been, that would have been our second Spacey Jane meeting because the guitarist, Ashton, also showed up at a show we played in Bondi. What venue was it? I don't even remember the venue. Royal Bondi. Royal Bondi. Yeah. He showed up. It's so rogue. But massive stitch up like five minutes after we finished. Like we'd just played and then he walked into the venue we'd played at. And I was heartbroken because we had a Spacey Jane cover in our set that night. And I was like, no, this is our defining moment. And then I went up to him and I was just really like, oh my God, oh my God, you guys are so cool. Like that. <laughs> I thought that I would be really cool about it because everyone else was like, oh, I can't say hi. Like, John and Alex actually weren't there, but me and Em were there. And everyone else that we were with was like, oh, I can't go up to them. Like, I can't say hi. And I was like, watch me do it. And then I just absolutely, like, stumbled over my words as he was, like, trying to leave this pub. But I got a photo, so it was worth it. Yeah. Two two down, two to go. I don't have like a one particular cool story, but I would say to people that you should DM people uh, that you aspire to or like celebrities that you like, because I've DM so many, so many big drummers um, that drum for like big bands or drum for my favorite bands. And they've always responded to me and it's always been so nice. I've been like, Hey man, love your stuff. You got any advice? And they are always so generous with their advice. Um, so I don't know. I've just, been in the dms of like some big drummers that's just you know i'm dm hunting for sticks i guess i don't, I don't know i think mine would be um <clears throat> i'm a very avid fan the four of us know of daily j um and it was one of those yeah they um they're coming for a show soon and recently realized that i won't even be able to make the show <laughs> um but yeah no it's i remember there was just one day where I listened to one of their albums and realized that this album, there was not a single track on that album that was bad in the sense that normally you listen to a track from your favorite out, like your favorite artist and you go, Oh, I preferred this song. Like it's all good, but I preferred this song over another. And it was the one song that was the one album where I went, 
every single song I could listen to is back to front. Making this random story post, just being like every single song in this playlist hits and then them responding back to that story and then saying, like basically just saying thank you. And you go to their Instagram and they're almost at like 10,000 followers doing international tours and you're like, it is a bit start, like you do get a bit starstruck in the sense that it's like, wow, like you are someone who you do do often think that these people are kind of like untouchables, but they are their people at the end of the day in the sense that, yeah, they're just like you and I. And so to to get those sorts of messages is like, it just makes you feel just that little bit better about your day. And I think Alex like would agree in the sense that like, I think that is a sort of feeling. I don't know if my encounter is a solemn encounter because it was gig. But I went to the preacher's last ever gig at the Ivy. Very interesting gig, interesting vibes, but they were so good. And Izzy Manfredi, who I'm in love with, I was like walking down the stairs and she complimented my hair. So that's my favorite moment ever. What would you say has been the band's favorite gig so far? Ooh, I don't know. I think I would say like favorite could mean so many things like why was it your favorite there's been a few gigs where the rider has just been yeah awesome and the kind of thing of like of like oh my god this gig is so worth playing because they gave us a free meal and that just makes the gig like immediately better um but i think that the the gigs that definitely would hit the top are the ones where maybe we don't kind of go into it feeling our best maybe we're tired or we have so much stress going on outside of the band and then we play a set and we really connect with the crowd and we get them engaged we played a gig recently with uh a sydney small you know like a a band similar to us they're called the sooks and that was at waywards um and i felt like that was one of my favorite gigs i've played um because the crowd was so invested and we were just supporting the sooks you know and like but they they treated us with uh so much love. I feel like the crowd is a very loving crowd. So I don't know. That was a very recent gig with a band that, you know, we really like and are grateful to have had the chance to play with. So, um, yeah, thank you to the crowd uh, at Waywards when we played with the Sooks because that was a great show. My favourite was actually like a few in my brain just then that I was like, ah, oh. it is really hard to pick. Like, I feel like you get, like, you just learn to kind of like love every experience for what it is. Um like it's one of those things where you you love the majority that it's probably easier for you to pick out like the disaster gigs than the ones that were like your favorites but i would say my favorite was when we played with surf trash which is a band from newcastle um and i think that was like the first like a big gig we had gotten offered with like a band where they had like twenty thousand followers or something like where it was like a big band um and I was like this is like nuts um and we went to that and I had actually gone I feel like I have like really funny stories about this stuff I had gotten offered from an old workmate free tickets to go and see Harry Styles and I was like oh like free tickets like Harry Styles is expensive like I'm gonna have to just play and then tell the band that I gotta gotta go and watch Harry Styles um, and I fully had it planned out that I was like going to get an Uber straight after we played, um, which is something that like I would never do ever at gigs. Like I always stay till the end. And then we went up to play and it was an all ages gig. And there were like all these like 
they must have been like 13, 14 year olds, like young, young kids. And they were in there outdoors and they sat right in front of the stage. Like they have no idea who the openers are, no idea. And they came and they literally sat there right in front of the stage, right at where your feet would be um, ready for whoever come, comes on to play. Um, which is like rare. Usually people like don't come for the openers and I, got up and we played and a lot of them kids 15 16 year olds like this whole mix of ages and just like pretty much packing out the room for the opener of the night which was just like nuts and again just like so keen and so engaged and I got off that stage and I literally said sorry Harry Styles I'm not leaving and I refused to go to the concert missed out on my free tickets but it, it was so worth it because yeah we had like Someone came up to us and asked us to like sign a shirt and people like asking us for photos. And I was like, I don't know how to like do these things. I was like, ah, but I think that was like a really, really like, yeah, really big moment of kind of like shift for us. And then for like surf trash to be just like the nicest of dudes on the fucking planet. And they like, dad was there. He was so sweet. Like it was just an all round, an all around great experience that like, there's nothing I would rather um, miss out on Harry Styles for, you know? I think it's actually MGO, if you want. Are you sure? Yes. Thanks. Um, I reckon we played at Manning Bar at Sydney Uni recently. Very good. Everyone was so nice. That was very fun. Yeah, no, Em, I'm glad you went because then I was striking between two to pick and you, I'm glad you took one of them because then that rids me of the choice. Um, yeah, Manning Bars was really good. Um, it was the first time, well, not the definitely not the first time, but it was like one of those times where you'd you'd play to essentially what we what we felt like was a crowd of people that would really connect with our music. Um, because we'd all been like of the same, we were around the same age, and so to understand that. But I think since that option is gone, um, so the same day we played at Manning Bar, um, the same day it was the same day will it be no it was not the same day no um i'm thinking of something is that the way with sorry i'm trying to it was i'm trying to... that we played on the same day Julie, Julie, Julie. but it was so... the same week it was the same week yeah sorry we were yeah so that on the day we there was a day it was a friday that we played ended up playing three different shows um and in the morning we had played at Willoughby Girls High School for a um for a charity event. And I guess the theme, it was like a themed day and the theme was music icons. And the fact that and what they do is they'll then invite a and like an up-and-coming artists um to come and do like a sacred show. And I didn't actually like, I didn't know the full extent of that until like uh, when we got there and we were playing and we were speaking to the the student that organized it. And she was like, oh yeah, this is the theme. And we saw you on our feed and we thought you guys were a great fit and you guys are like up and coming. And the fact that they labeled music icons there was kind of like, oh, are we? <laughs> like in the sense that we're, we're always very, we're always very, like we're very critical about what we do and how we do it and so that was actually a really really rewarding gig because we went in there being like um like we we I, we just wanted to play 
well. And when we got in there and we played to seven to nine and then from 10 to 12 and both, both age groups completely loved it. They were so supportive. And to just hear that come from them in particular was just, it was just a very rewarding gig to be there for, I guess, to provide entertainment and to do that. And so that was definitely one of my notable gigs. Okay, what would you say is the band's favourite venue to play at? Vanguard. Really? I love the Vanguard. Actually. We've been there often. we played there, like, we played there quite a bit. And I think it was just the first thing that popped into my head. Um, Vanguard would probably be the one. Emily, I... what's your favourite venue? I know your favourite venue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say Mosh Pit. Mosh Pit! <laughs> Mosh Pit was so good. First ever gig ever at the open pan night there. So I think it's a bit, it a bit memorable for us. I like, which has been, we've only like recently played there, but it seems to be a theme that like we play a venue once and then suddenly we've played it like five times in a row. It's just, it just, just is that. Either House of Music and Booze, because the head of the bar, Andrew, there is super lovely. And he's really nice and he'll give me extra drink tickets, which is sweet. And then or uh Wayward at the Bank Hotel, because the little green room is always full of weird knickknacks that you <laughs> find. Like I think there's like a uh not a real skeleton, but like a fake skeleton up there. And there's like there's some weird shit up there, but it sure is fun to scrummage around. So yeah, they're my favorites. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know if I have a favourite venue. Um, even as a band, I think about the shows that we play and I feel like it's one of the things is like our favourite venue is our most recent venue that we played because I feel like we get better and I feel like the shows that we play and we feel good at are the venues that we want to go back to. So I think Jamil is right in saying that we have these venues where we kind of get on a hot streak and we feel really comfortable. And I think that's because we... You know, we we have in our memory the fact that we've played some great shows there. And I think, yeah, as Jamila, you've said, Waywards and the House Music and Booze. We've played quite a bit recently as part of our um, family traditions tour, supporting other bands or doing headlining shows. So, um, yeah, I think that those venues have been great. Shout out to Cronulla RSL for a fantastic writer. Um, just put them out Indeed. of the list. Up the RSL. Yeah, they gave us fresh towels, icons. I've never been treated with such hospitality. Also, another shout-out goes to Bucketies in Brookvale. I will never travel to the yes. Northern Beaches for any other venue other than Bucketies. Yes. Because their ginger beer is elite. So it is Bucketies. one venue that's actually close to me in the sense that yeah. I'm the only one that lives on the other side of the bridge, whereas everybody lives closer to the city. That's so the it's only one I travel for. Don't I make the trek? And then it was Bucketies in Brookvale, and I'm like, yes, 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes away. <laughs> What is the band's latest release and how is the recording and releasing process? Our latest release was our third single, which it feels really weird to say that there's that many now, um, which is called Wasted On You, um, which I think is like a collective favourite, I would like to say, of the band. I feel like we've been waiting on this for a while. Um I recently, actually, like a month ago, found the original voice memo for this song, and it's from, like, 2021. I wrote this, just me and my piano, and it's literally two chords and me singing. And the funniest thing was is I listened back and, like, I think, like, one line of lyrics changed in the whole song, 
um, from like the original version, which is pretty wild that it stayed pretty true to how it was. Um, but I remember we were in Alex's house, well, his parent, his mum's house, who he now doesn't live in anymore. Um, <laughs> but when he still lived there, we used to rehearse in his bedroom. And it was just like me, Alex and Jono. And I started explaining this like weird visual concept. And I was like, just imagine you're in a room and there's a dining table. I probably sounded really like I was on something, but Jono started playing this little guitar bit and I was like, that's it. That's like the perfect, that's the thing. Um, and then we just kind of developed it. And we, when we went into work with Fletcher, like we've done all our past three singles with Fletcher. Um, we went in and we were like pretty, pretty set on like, we have to record this song. Like we don't care. Well, not that we didn't care with the other two, but we were like, we're happy to take your guidance on the other two, but like, we will do Wasted on you. Um, and yeah, we did it. And we've had the song under our belt for literally like a year, pretty much since it's been like ready for release. So it's been a long time coming and I think we're all, all very proud of it. It's a bit more, it's a bit more grungy um still just as sad but a bit more grungy um and yeah we're really really happy that everyone gets to gets to have a listen of it now if this is the like you know we've got sad music to dance to this is like the asterisk next to dance and when we say dance we mean like mosh and headbang i think like that's the vibe for this one so um you know if you come More to a show nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if you come to a show and you've listened to the song and you know it like uh we hope that of all the songs in the set this is one that you really get amongst it because i think that it comes from a really emotional and uh real tangible place um and i think that it's something that a lot of people can relate to so um yeah if there's a song to let loose to in the you know when you're coming to a grace gig this is the one that i would probably say yeah rip in what is the band's dream venue in Australia? And if you were ever given the opportunity to go overseas and play, where would you want to play? I'm going to say the overseas one. And that's only because I have this, this, it's not even a venue. It's a festival, but like festivals count. But Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Glastonbury Festival, I've seen so many videos of my absolutely favourite artists, um, some of them being like Muse and Arctic Monkeys and watching them play and the way they, the way the dynamic works and just having just so many just people there. And like for us, uh, one of our, one of our things that we've always said is like, if you, doesn't matter if you're playing to a crowd of one or a crowd of a thousand or more, as long as there's one person there that's having a good time and actually listening to music and connecting, then you've done your, we've done our part. And so like Glastonbury is just the one thing that I've seen all my favorite artists do. And it is like, I dream about it. Not literally, but like I dream about it and therefore love to do that. There might be, oh, oh, there might be contention about the the domestic one. That's in that, I I feel like I have a few, like in the sense of I know what Jam might be thinking. Um, and there's two that I think Jam might be thinking of for uh -huh. different reasons. Um, but I'm gonna save mine until after. So Jam, you go. Oh, put me in a position. Because I think that the one that I'm thinking of is n not the two that you're thinking of. Okay, I I have well. 
I've been asked this before, and my first answer was the Tivoli in Brisbane. Okay, Which I'm I don't wrong. Think it's like, Ignore me. It's, no, wrong. it's not like the actual answer, but it's only because um, my my dad lives in Brisbane, and often when I'm up there, he'll take me to gigs at the Tivoli. So that's more of like a heartfelt one. Like I want to play at the Tivoli just because it has a spot in my heart. But the actual answer of like my dream venue is Enmore Theatre. Like I just, it's like, it's such a cliche answer, especially for like Sydney musicians, but like I've seen so many shows in there and you just kind of think like, fuck, what must it feel like to look out and there'd be like a thousand or more people kind of, I think it's like 2000 and more like you just see that like looking back at you and it's it's been such an iconic venue for so many artists that it's kind of like a bit of a, a legacy moment that it's like, it's a milestone that everyone everyone wants to play there more, I think. Um, for sentimental reasons, I want to say the Metro, um, specifically with with uh, Grace, because I had the opportunity, I play drums for a few bands, and I had the opportunity to play the Metro main stage uh, with a session artist that I worked for called Lahi. She was supporting a, a band called Mako Road. And... Um, and I got on that stage and luckily Jono and Jamila were able to come to that gig. Uh, and I got on that stage and hit the kick drum and it felt like nothing I'd ever felt before getting on that stage. Um, and ever since then, I sat there and I thought, I cannot wait until I get to do this with Grace. I cannot wait till we get on that stage and we get that opportunity to play. So for sentimental reasons, I want to say the Metro. Um, but I think that in terms of Jamila, you were talking about venues in Sydney, I really think that a dream venue for me would be Oxford Art Factory main stage, because I think that in terms of the scene that we've grown up in, in terms of the inner West music scene, um, I think that, you know, you've played Oxford Art Gallery Bar, um, and I love Oxford Art Gallery Bar, but it's a whole nother level to move up to the main stage, whether you're opening, supporting, or if, if we were to one day potentially headline that venue, I think that would be a really cool validating uh, experience to be like oh man we played so many times next door how good is it to be on the main stage now so I would love to play Oath main stage. I agree I used to work at Oath so I'm gonna say Oath main stage as well and of course the animal but that's a given everyone in Sydney is gonna say that. What does the rest of the year look like for the band? I can answer this question <laughs> as the person who writes the timelines um for this release specifically, um, we've got a few exciting things. And I'm not sure, I hope that by the time this episode is out in the world, all these things will exist in the world. They should be, <laughs> technically. If they're not, I apologise to whoever's listening. I'm sorry for misinforming if I do. But we should have our first ever merch run, which is super exciting to have merch stuff that says grace it's a very weird feeling and i feel like a very long time coming um our first merch um we have another kind of merch collab which i don't think i can say yet but it's coming very soon um which is a bit more of a niche product that i don't think people are going to expect from us it's something you could buy you know yeah yeah like any tangible item could buy like <laughs> hey you can buy us you can buy you know this is this is a look, I, you know, Jamal. This yeah, is, this it's is purchasable you. and it will bring enjoyment to all. That's all I've got to say. Um, 
we've got that we're playing like our first headline shows in Queensland as well in July which is exciting because we were meant to play in Brisbane for this tour and then we ended up um moving it because of a few shows that we got in New South Wales so it'll be really nice to play up in Queensland for the first time um and then yeah we will have some new tunes at some point but I don't want to get too excited on them because Wasted on You is only just out but yeah we've got so much of the year left and so much to come so plenty to look out for. What is a song or album recommendation for the podcast listeners to check out that's been released by a band or an artist from the local music scene here in Sydney? Oh, I have a good one. Not even, does it have to be Sydney? Can it be Canberra? That's basically New South Wales. (laughs) Sorry to the ACT, my bad. (laughs) You know, we're claiming, we're claiming Canberra as our own. Um, my top, because I genuinely listen to it every day and we're such good friends with them, is Boys by Sesame Girl because I genuinely love that song and I love every single person in that band with my whole heart and we're very lucky that we just played with them on their single release tour and we're about to play with them again um, for Kitchen Boys tour and they also have a new song out called Close Friends, so I'm going to double whammy it and say Close Friends by Kitchen Boy and Boys by Sesame Girl. Is there only one? Was the question just the one? Um, no, each of you can say. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we also, I think there was a lot of opportunities that came as a, as a result of the tour, and that was, um, and even though this wasn't like an exclusive part of the tour, it was just a show we added, and we got the opportunity to play with a band called Sir Archer, um, in La La La's in Wollongong and they were doing a tour for their most recent release um, and watching then I'd, I'd by that point not heard of Sir Archer and then watching watching them do their thing it was a six 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 person I can't even remember there's just so many seven seven person like there's so many of them but again it was just I completely lost or sense of what was going on because their music was absolutely amazing. And I had the opportunity to go and watch them again um, recently at their last show at the Pato RSL, um, which was a fantastic show. And their music is very, I have to describe it as ethereal. It's very, very sentient sort of choral. They're all amazing singers. Um all amazing vocalists and instrumentalists. And it was just one of those, um, one of those acts that you, you just never forget. And so I would say in terms of this song, um, it would be their either most recently wake up or the release before that, uh, which was the, for their tour. And that was getaway. So I would highly suggest those. Um, there's a great band from Sydney called display homes that just put out their debut album. And they're really cool it's very like gritty grungy garage rock and the singer is the drummer which is the coolest thing ever um yeah and their new album what if you're right and they're wrong just came out at the start of the month and it's so good really recommend it i agree with emily's recommendation emily mentioned this to me the other day and i listened to the whole album and it was awesome um but to have just a unique one 
Um, this song came out uh, over a year ago, um, but it's back in my memory because uh, this band, they're called Asteroid Blues. They, uh, they were looking for a drummer for the last six months. I don't think they've played any shows, um, but their song Halfway There, uh, it's a great indie rock kind of, uh, I'm not going to say ballad, but it's a, it's a banger. Um, so Asteroid Blues, Halfway There because um, they've just found their new drummer and I think they played a show the other week. Um, so I'm glad that they're back on the scene and it's a great song. So uh, definitely worth a listen if you like indie rock. Oh, well, it's been great chatting with Grace tonight. Good luck with your upcoming gigs and I'm sure your fans have been listening to Wasted On You. So hopefully they give you some good feedback and they're waiting for the new music coming later in the year so it's been a pleasure thank you for having me thank you so much make sure to check out grace's releases wherever you listen to your music so the link to their socials and the music will be in the show notes also make sure to follow what's new on the scene on instagram and spotify to make sure that you don't miss out on any new episodes coming soon We've been What's New on the Scene. See you next time.